The following podcast may contain topics not suitable for a younger audience. Due to the nature of our shows, we also cannot guarantee spoiler-free discussions about anything, so keep that in mind. Borderline podcasts are uploaded almost every week, and you can keep up to date with our podcasts and panels by following us on social media at facebook.com slash borderlinepanels, or on Twitter at B-O-R-D-E-R-P-A-N. Please enjoy the show! Welcome to another episode of Borderline Podcasts from Borderline Panels. I feel like it's been a while. Has it been a while? It feels like it's been, at least for me, I haven't been a part of very many uh, podcasts. Well, the last the last one we did was the Two Kawaii for Comfort interview. Oh, that's right. That was so, the last. So it's yeah. been, what, it feels like two weeks yeah, it's since been, we last did It's been a couple one. weeks, but um, we're super happy to be back. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I've got John with me. Hello. You can, you can hear his beautiful voice. Oh, stop it. Yeah. How, how's it going, John? Uh, it's going all right. Things going on. A lot of things happening right now, mm-hmm. but you know, making it work. Yeah, oh. yeah. We've all been uh, we've all been a little bit busy in our own ways, but I'm super happy to be back this week mm-hmm. doing a doing a fun little review here with my boy John. And we couldn't do so, and it's doing something that I I know and love, so it'll be a good time for me at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and uh, something that I have always been interested in but never really explored in a super detailed way so i'm excited to experience this topic this week as well um but before that we got a couple of housekeeping things um just again sorry about our like lacks in content lately uh like i said we've all been a little bit busy some of us have started uh getting ramped up work schedules some of us have started back to school so there are lots of factors going on but uh we we have a steady stream of content planned for the next couple of months mm-hmm. and some conventions we're going to be at this fall yes. that we're really excited for. And um, you guys definitely uh, definitely stay tuned for more information related to those sorts of things going forward. Um, as always, you can find out more information about that on our social media platforms, which will be in our descriptions of this podcast and this video if you're watching it on YouTube. Hi. Um, <laughs> Um, also, recently, Sully and I both celebrated a birthday. Oh my gosh, happy yeah. birthday to both of you. I know, we're ancient, oh my gosh. No, we're, <laughs> we're, we're still babies. But anyway, um, Sully's birthday was August 23rd, and mine was August 24th, so we thought, well, let's do a little borderline birthday bash thing, and uh, so Sully and I picked uh, two volumes each of some uh, favorite manga of ours, and we are uh, give going to be giving away uh to two winners uh, their choice of one of the four uh volumes of manga and we will give that to you absolutely free hey um the only thing you have to do to enter into this little giveaway is to go to our facebook page at facebook.com slash borderline panels and there will be a facebook post out there that says borderline birthday giveaway and all you have to do to enter into that is to either share that post or like that post, and we will put you into that circulation, and we will be announcing the winners on September 5th. Ooh. Again, that's to... That's right around the corner. Yeah, it is. So not many days from now, so hopefully this podcast will be up uh, hopefully tomorrow, and tomorrow is the... 
second so they have like second three days yeah so get on that for sure if you guys are listening because we will be announcing on the 5th of september uh the volumes of manga that we are do we giving have a time? away do we have a time we want to announce that i not really but i'm probably going to do it before midnight okay yeah that's my plan um yeah so at some point during that day fair, fair. um so yeah make sure to do that in the days before the 5th um the volumes of manga that we are giving away are all volume ones um they are jojo's bizarre adventure uh, volume one of stardust crusaders hmm. uh, volume one of neon genesis evangelion volume one of the new yen press collector's edition of fruits basket oh wow and volume one of codename sailor v hey look at that that's a yeah. good selection right there it is so if you guys want to win a copy of one of these awesome manga series um please go like that that post um apart from that um full disclosure um funimation did not pay us to say this however funimation if you are listening we are definitely interested in your money <laughs> wink wink i love you um mostly <laughs> but anyway um recently as everyone probably knows there was a really really uh terrible hurricane that affected mm. a lot of the uh, um area of the u.s um around um Houston the, mostly seems to be hit yeah, the hardest. So large parts, portions of Texas, um, some uh, other states as well were affected, mm -hmm. um, but mostly in uh, in southern Texas um, or south southeast. It's, it's like Texas. it's mid south because I have a, yeah. I actually have a cousin down there oh, okay. who's in the northern part gotcha. of Texas. So I checked on her and she's okay. It didn't get quite that far up north, but gotcha. uh, I do know they know some people down there. So my hearts are going out to them, and I'm hoping they're okay. Yeah, definitely. And um, Funimation has done a really nice um, fundraiser that they're doing. Um, they started a, um, a donation campaign that's going to various organizations to help um, flood relief victims mm -hmm. and uh, just general hurricane relief efforts. Um, and they, they donated right off the bat $10,000 to the effort, and they are matching it up to $25,000. Mm -hmm. And the most recent um, check, it's probably higher... Uh, now, whenever you guys are listening to the podcast, but it is around as of September first. As of September first, um, it is up to thirty-eight thousand dollars that they have raised. So it's about sixty-three thousand, all said and done, as right. it stands right now. Exactly, which is amazing and wonderful. And I know and they can get all the help they can get. So even though we've hit that goal, if you want to mm -hmm. donate some more, I'm sure they could use it. Yeah, that would be great. So um, I will include a link to uh, the place where you can donate uh, specifically through Funimation's. Um, efforts, even though honestly you can donate however you want, but mm -hmm. this is the one that I um, wanted to prom uh, promote because it's you know directly related. Remind to me to do that stuff. after this podcast because I want to do do that real fast. Give yeah, a bit. yeah, definitely. I'll remind you. Um, but yeah, check that out, and I'll be including that link um, to help with um, raising some funds for Hurricane Harvey relief. Um, so on that note something completely unrelated <laughs> but it still has the word note in it oh no <laughs> so uh recent uh development in uh in the anime community was the release of the highly anticipated uh netflix live adaptation of death note <sighs> and it's been out for about a week now and mm -hmm. i'm sure most of you guys that are listening to this have either watched it already or you've listened or um, seen some angry rant about it on Facebook. <laughs> I know I have. 
Um, and Tori and I sat down and watched it, and I don't think we're I don't think we're gonna do a full podcast episode on it, but I at least wanted to throw my thoughts out there. Um, so this film was a Netflix original production uh, directed by Adam Wingard, who is the upcoming director of the uh, new Godzilla vs. Kong film. Oh, okay. Um, starring Nat Wolf, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Margaret Qualley, and Willem Dafoe. Hey, all right. Um, and Tori and I watched it, and generally we thought it was... It was underwhelming. Mm. It was super edgy. It now, was generally uninspired, I thought. Now, I do remember seeing a post on it where, uh, like, I think L was talking to someone. He's like, this is all going according to Kekaku. I'm pretty that, sure that means Japan, uh, yes. plan in Japanese. Was that an actual line? No, it oh, was thank not. God. That was... Thank God. <laughs> I was a little worried for a second there. Yeah, no, that was not actually in the show, but honestly, the way it was going, it very well could have been. <laughs> oh, no. But honestly, it was, um, it was, you know, I'm not a purist, so I'm not looking for any adaptations to be like direct, exact matches to the source material. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's a good thing to do anyway. Right, I right. I think adaptations sort of by their nature need to deviate. Right. But this sort of betrayed the... It betrayed what made Death Note a good, fun, like, procedural story. Right, right. Which, um, what works about Death Note is that it has this sort of classic um, good versus evil um, story, this very Holmes versus Moriarty, Mm -hmm. with L being Sherlock Holmes and Light being Moriarty, the arch nemesis. Yes, and it's kind of interesting because for the most part you take the perspective of Moriarty as opposed to Sherlock. Exactly. So you kind of get that whole... uh, different perspective mm-hmm. on the chase and it's kind of cool right even though he's the bad guy you still find yourself rooting for him at times exactly because in the anime and in the manga his motivations while misguided morally mm-hmm. are at least presented in a way that makes sense to the audience and, and at least understand. have like some there there are like some logical good intent with it right it's like he's come to the wrong conclusions from sort of a somewhat genuine place even mm-hmm. though it's sort of it's um twisted it's twisted and it's sort of um clouded by his ego and in self-righteousness kind of, yeah, yeah yeah um but but the the film lacked a lot of that nuance mm-hmm. and i think it was part on the fault of the writers mm-hmm. and part on the fault of honestly the runtime like was had they no it was too short oh like i mean the thing that manga is very long and it's very dense mm-hmm. and the anime is 39 episodes long yeah and no, it was it was well paced out yeah it was and i think that pacing allows you to sort of understand the nuance and get that get that to come across in a better slower more interesting way and this felt like they were trying to shove way too much into a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their creative liberties, in my opinion, just didn't work. Gotcha. And it, that's, that's really unfortunate because Death Note was an awesome series. That would have been good to, yeah. uh, for a good live action, which is kind of funny because that's what we're going to be doing in just a second here as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, you know, so in sort of inspired by Death Note's release. Um, well, first off, let me... Uh, let me say what I kind of liked about about the Death Note. Oh yeah, sure. Action. Go ahead. Didn't mean um, to cut you off. No, it's fine. Um, I um, 
I loved Willem Dafoe's performance as he's, Ryuk. He's just a fun actor, man. He he is, and it was great. Uh, however, I think that character was a little bit poorly written, mm. um, and his motivations were a little bit more sinister than what I would like. Uh. Because the thing about Ryuk's character is that he's kind of like the the overseer of the evil game in which Light and L are playing, mm-hmm. and he's sort of like the. Uh, the watcher i guess yeah from from marvel he, he's um, bored he just wants some entertainment and he, right. these two are providing it for him right but in in the netflix version he is a much more active force sort of like coercing oh, okay. light into doing these things and i didn't really enjoy that i liked him more as an impartial like third party just sort of observing and mm-hmm. sort of prodding here and there but mostly being just like, letting it happen and letting exactly. him figure it out and i didn't like that direction with the character personally mm-hmm. um but like I said, I thought his performance was great. I enjoyed uh, Lakeith uh, uh, Stanfield. I think that's his name. Yeah, Lakeith Stanfield. I liked his performance as L. I thought he did a good job. Um, but yeah, that's about it. It was the, <laughs> oh, wow. the the original score was good. I thought the musical choices that they made from like songs from a, from like existing artists, mm-hmm. like the soundtrack was weird and used strangely. Ah. Um, but the original score I enjoyed. It was very like uh, techno punk. Okay. Oh, okay. So I kind of enjoyed that. And there were some sequences that I thought were well shot. But apart from that, five out of ten, maybe. I got you. I got you. <sighs> so anyway. <laughs> But uh, moving on to today's topic, um, yes. we, we are doing something that is very near and dear to John's heart Yes, yes. Um, that neither of us have experienced. So um, shortly after this, we'll take a break and we will um, Do go, the wa- thing. go yeah. watch the film and then come back and tell you uh, guys our thoughts on it. We are watching the uh, part one of the Rurouni Kenshin live action trilogy. Uh, this film was released in 2012, directed by Keishi Otomo. Starring Takeru Sato, Emi Takei, Munetaka, and uh, Munetaka Aoki. And is based on the Shonen Jump manga Rurouni Kenshin, uh, mm-hmm. written by Nobuhiro Watsuki, uh, that aired, not aired, that ran in <laughs> re- anime airs. Manga is published. Uh, published in Shonen Jump from 1994 to 1999. Um, oh, it was five years for that whole series? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have always had a sort of passive appreciation for Roroni Kenshin and mm-hmm. read read a few volumes of the manga back in middle school, but never got super into it, seeing mm-hmm. a few episodes of the anime here and there. Mm-hmm. And I generally enjoy it, um, but it's definitely not something that I have, you know, fully devoted myself to or anything like that. But right. John, um, you're a big Kenshin fan. Oh, yeah. That's like the yeah. first manga I ever read. Yeah. And it's the only manga to this day that I've ever read to completion. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I, it's very near and dear to me because we would go on trips and she would buy me one of the books and within like 10, 15 minutes, I've already plowed through it and I'm ready for the next one. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. So, you know, that was, that was just a fun read Mm -hmm. and he's just a fun character. And I think uh, the, the anime might have gotten me into the manga Mm because I saw a couple episodes and that was really cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will say that the opium arc is one of my favorites and it's going to be in the first movie. So I am like really hyped to see how they did that and i really hope they did that well because that's such a good scene i gotcha but um yeah so it's been like that's basically how i got really more into anime in general mm-hmm. and how i found like full metal alchemist afterwards and you guys to kind of get more diversity from that as well gotcha so yeah it's one of my favorites and i to full disclosure i read all the manga so i'm i know what the source material is but i i have only seen a few 
of the episodes of the anime because it doesn't really follow the manga and it has some filler episodes, new characters and whatnot. So I didn't get super into that. I could only find it on TV every now and then. And when it was on, I watched it, but it wasn't very often. Mm-hmm. And, so your familiarity is definitely more with the manga. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I know that Samurai X exists, and that's more about like uh, his time during the war before the actual uh, manga. Mm-hmm. But I've only, I only know of it. I haven't seen any of it. And I didn't know about the live actions until you mentioned them to me a few days ago. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of excited to see how those turned out. Yeah. Um, sort of the general consensus around these films is that they're some of the best um live action adaptations of really? manga out there. Ooh, now um, I'm really excited. So yeah, that's basically what what I've gathered through popular consensus through okay. both critical reviews and fan fan reactions. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm very excited to check it out. Um real quick, I'll give you guys the synopsis from Funimation. Um in the wake of a brutal civil war, a shattered assassin turns his back on bloodshed once and for all. Kenshin Himura, once a legendary and feared killer, abandons his instrument of death and vows to carry a reverse blade sword for the rest of his days. But Kenshin soon soon finds that the world around him is rapidly changing. A sadistic drug lord, Kanryu, oppresses the people, poisoning them with opium and stealing what little they have left. When this greed-driven monster threatens the beautiful kendo instructor, Kaoru, Kenshin can no longer contain his fury. Together with his street fighter comrade, Sanosuke, Kenshin sets his sights on a showdown with Kanryu and his deadly henchmen. In a staggering action sequence for the ages, longtime fans will find out if Kenshin can survive his promise to face his own blade before spilling the blood of his enemies. Okay, that synopsis made me worried because I know Kaoru was threatened by Jin E at one point, but no, he, like, uh... Oh, what was... You just mentioned his name. I'm so bad with names. I know faces, but... Uh, Kanryu? Kanryu? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, he he is after Megumi for reasons that I will not reveal to you just mm-hmm. yet. But that was the one he was after. So, if... I hope they didn't change that plot point, because mm-hmm. that'll make this a whole lot less interesting. But, uh... I guess we'll see. I guess we will see. But, like, based on what I've seen, they're going to establish all the main characters. They're going to talk about Jin E. That's going to come up. And then, of course, the whole Kanryu arc, which is, again... That whole opium arc, which is my favorite, because it's just we'll we'll talk more about it later. But like, I have reasons for why it's really really good, and I'll we'll we'll share after the movie. All right, and we will be right back to give you our thoughts. Sounds so good. Stay tuned. Yes. See you later. We are back. We just watched Baroni Kenshin Part One Origin. Yes, yes. The uh, first in the trilogy of live-action Baroni Kenshin films. So, John, um, in general franchise terms, uh, not necessarily specific to the anime or the manga or these movies, mm-hmm. can you generally tell us what Baroni Kenshin is about? Uh, Baroni Kenshin is about this samurai who was part, I think, of the. Uh, um, 
Meijin Revolution, I think was it? Yeah, he was fighting in the Meiji Revolution. Yeah, yeah Meiji Revolution. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got a reputation known as uh, Batosai, or a manslayer, because he just he was a killing machine, more or less. And so when the war was over, like, he was very young, like, like 16, 19, like, very young. And so after the war, he kind of gave up killing people and vowed never to kill people again. And so he took up a reverse blade and became a wanderer. And uh, he happens upon this dojo in this town where somebody has taken up the mantle of Potosai. And uh, he kind of investigates and shenanigans ensue. And with the original story, it's very much a mix of, like, serious moments, but it's very lighthearted when like there's no stakes at the time so that's that's more or less the plot of the story and he goes around and makes sure keeps people safe and takes Mm -hmm. down bad guys that kind of deal Mm -hmm. and um it's my understanding that is it it, like a lot of um shonen jump series is it's very arc based depending on like there will be this villain that they will fight for a while and then they will defeat him and then there's a new villain is it kind of like that kind of yeah and Mm -hmm. so like in the manga at the very least like they introduce the characters kind of slowly so Mm -hmm. we kind of get to see yahiko where he came from and Mm -hmm. where he got to be how he got to be this way that kind of deal same thing with sano we just kind of get introduced to him and why he's just such this awesome character how they get to fight and whatnot and um then we kind of get into the meat and potatoes of it with uh kanryu i think that's the first big arc Mm -hmm. after all the characters get introduced and then uh, you get some other characters like Shishio, and I'm for, I'm blinking out on the last guy they they fight, but I remember him very well. And I'm trying to speak in vague terms, not to spoil it for anybody. Who... I remember him very well, except his name. No, well, no, 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 no. Like I know who he is and his motivations mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I'm trying to speak in a way that doesn't spoil it no, for I anybody gotcha. who's like never seen it before. I don't right. want to give away the whole thing. Right. So um, that's fair. I'm sure they appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, it's it's very lighthearted when they're kind of like uh, downtime and it's chill mm-hmm. and it's very fun. Very mm-hmm. fun. And um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name. Kaoru. Mm-hmm. Um, she is very much a support figure and she's not useless at all. She's just not as skilled as a swordsman as mm-hmm. a, most of the characters in here. But she's still a very good teacher and teaches Yakiko a lot of cool techniques that he uses later on in the series. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's the source, anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, well, thank you for that explanation. Um, but now jumping into the uh, our little review of the first film that we just watched. Yes. Um, this will just be a review of that first film. Uh, we are going to visit uh, films two and three Later in future on. podcast yeah. episodes and give our reviews on that as well. Okay. Um, so jumping into this film, um, basically follows the general setup mm-hmm. of the manga and subsequently the anime. Yeah, I think they start with like the end of the war, like right. the end of that revolution. Right. Um, and then does, at least according to your um, explanation, me having not read the manga, mm-hmm. um, it seems to generally follow some of the basic the, plot points. the setup was close mm-hmm. like it was very, very similar to the manga mm-hmm. although um so the this the plot differed very quickly once mm-hmm. i found out who which potosi which character they were referring to as potosi at the time mm-hmm. so at that point it started to diverge mm-hmm. from the manga pretty early on right um but a lot of the similar same cast is there oh yeah a lot not, of the same not all of the characters appear like you said I right believe. right so a lot of the similar cast appears i don't know what was going on with the village people and why it's weird that the the village people like ymca yeah like the, I, it was <laughs> weird for them to just kind of break into musical number there no no but like when the people came by to the dojo like it 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 was weird for me to mm-hmm. be like this dojo wasn't very popular because of this and yet people kept rushing to the dojo right like it didn't it was kind of weird 
Yeah, I don't. I don't, that, I don't so, know. like, within the context of the movie, that was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't understand who those people were. Like, if they were relatives or. I just thought Kaoru had a lot of friends. Yeah, <laughs> I. I don't. Okay, sure. Why not? I'll, that makes more sense than anything I could come up. I with. mean, that that was kind of what I assumed. They were just like showing up and being like, "Oh no, all of our kids are sick or something." Kaoru. No, about before that. Before that, yeah, when I the know, dojo first attacked. Yeah, whenever but... they're first introduced. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. honestly, without that setup scene where they all kind of show up, like, right after that battle, mm-hmm. it would have made the sickness scene, like, way more awkward. So yeah. So I'm kind of glad that they did that. Yeah. Like, if they were going to do it at all, I'm glad that they did it that way. That's fair. I, I'm still upset. <laughs> yes, I, I understand. I, I know that you have a lot of issues with this film, um, but let me let me go ahead and, and yeah you give you my do yours first and then I'll tell you why you're wrong we've already exactly established yeah that. yeah so I'm gonna give you guys my my you know ignoramus's point of view on <laughs> on this film um, but I generally I really enjoyed it I thought it was highly entertaining mm-hmm. I thought all of the characters were really engaging for the most part I thought the villain was uh, smarmy and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but kind of silly at the same time, mm. and he had his you know good sort of very simple but um, easily understandable motivations. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want to sell drugs all over the world and create this drug empire and make lots of money. And I'm just like, okay, that's a very you know viable explanation for him being a villain. And he's mm-hmm. he's kind of a caricature-y villain, but I thought that that was fun. I'll interject here real fast. I think they they did very well with Conryu. They mm-hmm. picked a very good villain. He played it very very well. Mm-hmm. So I know I have a lot of gripes with it, which we'll get to later. But mm-hmm. I agree, Conryu was very well done, mm-hmm. e- even within just the movie. Also, just well done. Well done character. And in terms of Kenshin as well, I thought that character Ooh, was... yeah, he was done. He, he was good, too. He he looked great. Mm-hmm. He um The actor played him, like, wonderfully. He yeah, had a he, nice... was, he was able to go back and forth between, like, the playful aspect and the serious aspects, like, very well. It was I like that, too. I'm glad, I'm glad they were able to capture that humorous aspect of the film, even though I feel like that wasn't, like, the main focus. Right. It's definitely something that is not quite... Um, in the forefront but it's mm-hmm. definitely uh, there's a touch of it there especially in um the scenes when he first meets kaoru oh, and yeah. she's kind of like trying to fight him but he's just like oro um, <laughs> oh when he said oro that yeah. just made my heart jump like i'm glad they still they like, kept that in there i yeah. know it's the small things I right know. and they kept um i thought they kept a good consistency with the original character designs and yes. the way that the costumes yes. were done mm-hmm. Um, especially for Kenshin and Kaoru and um, who's the little kid again? Uh, Yahiko. Yahiko yeah. and um, Sanosuke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they all looked like... They, they looked like the characters. They did. They did. True to the characters uh, mm-hmm. uh, view, at least, or character design. There we go. Right, right. And um, the uh, the set designs Ooh, and the those production are... value were just off the wall incredible. And the fight scenes, like, those were just fan. I have never seen mm. such engaging swordplay before. That was awesome. It really was. It was an absolute eye candy every single fight scene. It was oh, man. great. And when they had, like, the footwork going on, like, mm. in, in front of Conryu's mansion, when he's, yes. like, almost, like, an 80-degree like, angle running mm-hmm. up. Oh, my God, it was mm-hmm. so cool. It really was. And, um... Oh gosh, like how textured everything was. I know. Like, like the film really had a lot of life in it. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of things moving, a lot of nature, a lot of very dynamic scenes where it's not just 
there's no like talking heads. There's always like plants moving or mm. like flower petals in the background or the dust during the fights. It felt or really even like organic. the money he was throwing out. Yeah. That was also really cool. There was always something added to it to give the frame some sort of you know dynamic quality. And mm -hmm. I thought that is that is really high production design, and they definitely deserve credit for that. Mm. And in terms of the sound design, I know that you probably were paying attention to that because I know you're a soundophile mm -hmm. um, or an audiophile <laughs> rather. Um, like the sound design on the sword fights was just oh, it was incredible. on it was on point, man. There wasn't a single point where I was like, oh, that mm -hmm. was a little weird. No, it all just felt natural. It all flowed. It all sounded good. Like just, just there, there was so much motion with the sword fights that like all like they had to have a lot of effects mm -hmm. to go with that, and it just in ten, it was just beautifully in tandem and yes. just made it feel really authentic, mm -hmm. and especially the the final fight with um oh man the I, uh the fake batosai again like i know i have a lot of gripes about is mostly the story and the characters mm -hmm. but like they did justice to the big parts and i appreciate that because that Jin e fight was just incredible like it was amazing in the manga it was and they did it justice in the movie too so i'm very glad that they they did well mm -hmm. with that and going off the sound as well i thought that the the original score was really interesting um it reminded me of uh, the score of um, like Sherlock Holmes and Pirates of the Caribbean, mm -hmm. like that sort of Hans Zimmery style. Yeah, yeah. And um, it it actually reminded me of Pirates of the Caribbean in more than one way. Um, I thought that a lot of the scenes in the third arc with the big mansion fight were very mm -hmm. reminiscent of some of the fight scenes from the original Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Um, especially the one um with whenever jack sparrow is fighting will turner in the blacksmith shop oh yeah, yeah like yeah. that was a very environmental fight oh like they were all... you're talking about sano and the other dude and the yes. kid yeah yes. that was a lot of fun and and kenshin fighting the gunslinger guy too like mm -hmm. I, I thought that was a very environmental fight as well like not so much as the other one because they they were literally like throwing plates and punching walls <laughs> and stuff and i love it when fights do that whenever they really use the environment to mm -hmm. be a character as well and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, I really love that franchise, and that first movie is really, really astounding, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And anything that reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean 1 automatically gets brownie points. That's fair. So, That's fair. Yeah. Um, but going into a few of my little small complaints about it, um, a few of them were mainly uh, pacing-based mm -hmm. and, like, a few little plot point details that, you know, even me, who is not someone that's really married to the original content... Um, I found a little bit confusing, mm -hmm. so I was confused as to, I feel like there was probably a deleted scene or something they had to cut, um, and there were deleted scenes on the disc, we just didn't get a chance to watch them. Right, right, because it's like, what, 1240, it's like, tw it's like one in the morning right now, we're yeah. just trying to get this done. And we, and we kind of wanted to just go for the, um, review of the, like, theatrical version that, yeah. that mm -hmm. most people would see. Um, I thought it was weird that they trusted Megumi so quickly, and just sort of brought her into their yeah into yeah their that that was so fast yeah again like I that was the one of the bigger complaints I had like everybody was introduced so fast so yeah. you couldn't really get a time to like establish character traits and like get that trust going and to kind of like again have that emotional weight have that emotional drama be a part of it because it's kind of like people come together and then things happen and then we got to go take care of the thing and then more people get involved and it's just it's a lot and so like. It just, it, everything was happening too fast. And I understand. It's a movie. You only have so much time. But, like, even with two hours, they just did too much within mm -hmm. that two hours. And I feel like things didn't get resolved properly at times. Mm -hmm. And it was just, but I, 
I think he has some more before I get too lost down here. Yeah, just a few more. Um, I thought early on, and this was a this was maybe a, a scene placement or a pacing issue for mm-hmm. me, is that I think that there were too many scenes, at least for me, and because I need I need a movie to hook me early. Right, right. Um, I don't mind waiting around, but I would prefer to be hooked early. Mm-hmm. Just like any audience member i believe you weren't hooked early with that first fight when he's just like cutting people down no no no. i was not after that okay 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 i i really enjoyed that opening scene i thought it was wonderful oh yeah um and that was that was a great first sequence Mm -hmm. um but after that i felt like it was a little bit confusing because immediately we almost immediately we start focusing on um the drug dealer guy yeah yeah he was and really fast for an extended period of time and like we don't see kenshin for a while mm-hmm. and then we do and it's sort of like this intercutting thing yeah so i would have preferred they introduced kenshin and did the kaoru arc like immediately yeah and then introduced kanryu and did the whole arc with him and like the policeman and the fake yeah which is which like is that. more what the manga speed they got all the main characters introduced first and kind of established before they started bringing in yeah a lot of the major players going on behind the scenes yeah so i thought that was weird and a little bit um like an easy an easy fix mm-hmm. like they could have just done the same exact scenes just switch them around a little bit and yeah that just change the order of the cut and it's you're good that would have been more pleasing to me personally mm-hmm. and i think that the movie would have read better mm-hmm. um especially to get you focused on like who who are the main like important characters that we're supposed to focus on and then give us our villain. Right, right, right. Um so I mean not a huge deal, I guess, but I think it would have been better had they done it that way. Gotcha. And gotcha. um Also it was kind of weird like that whole scene where uh Kanryu is like serving his fighters the onigiri like on the plates oh. and they're like going at it all ravenous and yeah. I'm just like Dude, if you want your fighters to be like effective warriors, like you gotta feed them. That's kind of <laughs> basic. Like you don't want them to be like scroungy mongrels, because I mean, how are they gonna fight if they're not like properly fed? Like that right. didn't make sense to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, that was really strange. I think that was more to just kind of establish how much of an ass he was and just how like how I mean, he that, thinks of people. That makes sense, but I mean, just like, dude, these are your bodyguards. <laughs> like, I know you're like a jerk, but I mean, come on, you at least like want to feed properly the people that are trying to protect you. So right, that, right. that was weird to me and mm-hmm. and and awkward. Um, other than that, I think the only real weird thing that was kind of strange for this movie was the fact that the fake batosai was like the only one that had like superpowers quote unquote Mm -hmm. like with the whole like his eye thing being able to like scare people into doing things Mm -hmm. even though like whenever he introduced it he was just like no this is not magic or something like he said Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. um but i mean it was like totally magic i mean like well it i don't think they explained it too well in the movie because i knew exactly what was going on because again i read the manga Mm -hmm. But um, just to give you an idea of what was going on, it's basically like state as like battle of wills, more mm-hmm. or less. So his will, so basically he basically sends his uh, chi over to that person mm-hmm. and basically overwhelms him. So if they are afraid and cannot match his willpower, they're basically frozen in terror, and it's basically just overpowering their will. Mm-hmm. So that's why uh, uh, Kenshin wasn't affected because he's just used to that. Like that kind of shit doesn't work on that kind of stuff doesn't work on him. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, 
that that's what was going on with that so it wasn't really magic it's more of like a battle of wills it i mean it it struck me in the way that they did it in the film like a jedi mind trick sort of thing yeah that's kind of what it read as like regardless of what it was actually supposed to be like Mm -hmm. your understanding of it from reading the source material Mm -hmm. like that's what it read as right if that makes sense i got you i got you so it was kind of i i don't know i found it strange because the rest of the film was so rooted in stuff that's fairly plausible i mean Kenshin is obviously a ridiculously talented fighter, mm-hmm. and like, there's no way um, Sanosuke could wield a sword like that and be effective <laughs> in real life. So there are some <laughs> things that are hokey, mm-hmm. but mostly it av- it avoided the realm of the supernatural, mm-hmm. except for that. Right. And I mean, that's definitely not a movie breaking thing for me. That was just a small detail that I found weird. I got you. But um, generally overall, I did really enjoy the film. Now, tell me why I'm horribly wrong oh gosh okay so (laughs) before i start taking this apart basically um i do want to say like the movie isn't all bad like from a technical standpoint it's solid like the soundtrack was really really good like uh it never was distracting or anything it all felt like it just kind of added value to the scene and add more um character to it uh the character designs were very solid the fight scenes were just mm, fantastic i loved it i've it's been a while since i've seen such like great action in a movie and just be like totally engaged into it the entire time um i I would say the characters were portrayed in interesting ways that so let me open up with if you've seen the manga or read the manga excuse me and then you're watching the movie and expecting kind of the same thing don't they took a lot of creative liberties with it so like the characters are there and a lot of the same story elements are there but they uh have a lot of differences for example like uh aoshi and his crew during Kamryu's mansion that are in the manga just aren't in the movie period. And they were his main bodyguards. And they also had their own kind of unique little tricks that they had. Uh, one of them had uh, optical illusions he used to fight with. The other one had uh, built up like an insane pain tolerance thanks to like training and medication. Uh, somebody else, uh, well, Aishi himself, had uh, martial arts training as well. Which is why when I saw Kenshin kind of doing a lot of like self-defense martial arts, I'm like, that's not really his style because Aoshi just beat his butt essentially using martial arts because he's never he's never fought that before it's always been like sword to sword combat so uh with them being absent the tone of that scene changes entirely and so they they took a whole different direction with that and that's was, not um was Sanosuke a, a did he appear in that scene in the manga was yeah yeah too? so okay. so on, on the raid on Kamryu's mansion it was Kenshin uh Sanosuke and Yahiko all three of them were there and to be fair, Yahiko didn't do a whole lot. He took out a few because he was literally launched as a projectile, but he was still there to talk and kind of learn because that's what he did. He would watch Kenshin fight and learn and understand what his techniques were and kind of kind of be like a sports commentator for what's going on. So even though they're in this serious situation, like I'll never forget it. Just a quick side note. Um, so the first bad guy he's fighting in Kanryu's mansion, uh, he's getting beat because it's an optical illusion he's not used to. And so in the middle of the fight, when there's like a pause, Yahiko actually like kicks him in the face and says, what are you doing? Why are you losing to this guy? He's like, believe me, I'm trying not to. So even in the middle of that, there was some levity and Yahiko kind of added to that while learning. And so when they left him behind and uh, took out those characters and added the more generic, you know, ex-samurai characters, it felt a little bit more bland, like there wasn't as much going on and Yahiko felt less dynamic as a character and was just mm-hmm. more more like character placement for the sake of keeping uh the 
the universe mm-hmm. intact as opposed to like him actually kind of learning and becoming part of the story right and um yeah i was talking to you a little bit about that because you mentioned that earlier and um i don't know i think i think that might have been a good decision to leave that particular character out of that scene for the purposes of this movie mm-hmm. because i don't know it might have been really awkward to have that kid just around with all this like that's a good point point. and due to a technical uh muck up we had over here i lost the last 10 minutes we were talking so i'm going to try the best to continue our conversation so i can understand the feeling of him kind of being added to the mix but i still appreciated the fact that he was there and not really being a cheerleader but kind of like being uh, a lens for us to learn his like his technique because he would explain his technique to Yahiko, so we we as the reader would also understand what's going on. So mm-hmm. I feel like the the actual sword techniques weren't bad. The sword techniques weren't really focused on. Like that was a big thing in the manga. It's all about like the sword techniques and kind of learning like what they were and why they were so effective and why he was using those particular stances and kind of getting more into the style of Japanese uh, swordplay, if mm-hmm. you will. And without that, it was just kind of a, more like a hack and slash kind of movie which isn't necessarily a bad thing it just kind of took away from the charm that made the series the way it was right and it seems like kenshin's sword is so inextricably linked to his character that Mm -hmm. it's i think the movie did that probably not as nuanced and not as you know in detail as the manga would have i don't think they didn't really do it at all they mentioned his sword style Mm -hmm. in the beginning but um i mean they talked about the fact that the the symbol of the backward sword is to be like uh, you know the the dangers on his ends. It's not for killing. Right, and things right, like right. That. And that explains his him as a character. Yeah. But doesn't really explain his style, like his style of fighting. Yeah. So we don't really get to take a lens into that. Which again, I understand that creative decision. Like that could have taken a whole lot of time and narration. Mm-hmm. They just didn't want to go. And it's already two hours without that. Right. So like I I get that. That's not a huge gripe. But like it it was nice to kind of get more to because you're we're learning while we're enjoying the story kind of deal right and um i am very very interested personally to see you know from from an entertainment perspective what uh and from a narrative perspective um because i know that you're very curious to see like well what content from the manga are they going to be doing in the next two films Mm -hmm. i'm just excited to see like where the story goes and where these characters go because you know kind of with the few exceptions of a little a few little characters here and there that are kind of loose ends. Mm. The film is fairly self-contained. And oh. I thought that that was strange. Like, I, I thought that they were going to be, you know, ended on a, some sort of cliffhanger, but it yeah. really does end at, like, the end of that arc. Like, mm-hmm. everything is more or less wrapped up. Like, our two major villains are taken care of, and they're basically, you know, nipped in the bud. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kenshin and the gang like go back to the dojo, and it's like everything is peachy clean. I still have a really bad premonition that Conry is going to come back, and he's going to be a recurring villain, if not in the second film, in the third film. And I'd be like Maleficent in Kingdom Hearts, uh, always uh, there, always there. So I really, ho- I, I hope I, 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 I'm wrong a lot, mm-hmm. and I really hope I'm wrong this time. But I have a really bad feeling that I'm not. And, I'm, and that's a big concern of mine because Conryu was, again, one of those, like, he's the big main villain. You set him up and then we knock him down. He's done. We move on to the next one. Because, again, like, he knocked that crap out of him. It wasn't like you're wa- you're not walking away from this unscathed. So, you mean in the manga? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, in this one, he just kind of broke his glasses and said, you've been bad. Mm-hmm. You're going to jail. And yeah. that's like. And that is one thing that uh, I think you mentioned earlier about uh, Kenshin's sort of uh, his worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't seem so actively 
like he's trying to get other people to understand his worldview. He more it's it more translated in that film to be just like this is my worldview and I'm going to act this way, but I'm not really going to chastise anybody else who decides differently. Yeah, and that that kind of goes against his style because while he's fighting his opponents, he's also trying to tell them like we don't this is not how we don't have to keep fighting. We don't right. have to cling to those old ideals. Just because we have the sword does not mean we have to cling to it. Like right. that defines mm-hmm. who we are, mm-hmm. kind of deal. I and, did like his little, his like you know, um, heroic speech towards the end in the movie where he's talking about, uh, you know, how um, you know killing creates more killing, violence breeds more violence, mm-hmm. things like that. I really appreciated oh, that. So that was nice. Gosh, Kauru's speech at the end was awful. Kauru's? Kauru's. Okay. Awful. She just didn't stop talking. Oh my gosh. And I'm, okay, again, this is probably like a pet peeve for like the manga. But even that aside, that just went on for way too long, in my opinion. Like she just, like she just kept. It got preachy. It just felt really preachy, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, stop. I we get it, we get it. Because in the manga, she tells him to stop. Practically passes out because she hasn't been breathing for two minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, that was kind of strange. So Kenshin kind of goes over there to catch her. That that was the reason why he disengaged because she yells mm-hmm. and then is collapsing with no support. So he tries to uh, catch her and does. And then like when he makes sure she's okay, Jin E has snuck up behind him. So now he's in a really disadvantaged situation. Mm-hmm. And now there's even more tension because like, oh crap, he's still here. What's gonna happen? As mm-hmm. opposed to like, oh, they're still kind of engaged. He never really has disengaged. So it's kind of like. You know, I know what's going to happen next, and there's not quite as much tension. Mm-hmm. And so, but with Kaoru's thing, is like, he's out of it. Like, it's not like a big, winding speech to get him out of it. It's just kind of like snapping him back into reality before he, like, dips back into that madness. Mm-hmm. And that's all it really, really took for him to get back to his senses and remind himself, like, this is why I'm doing this. Protecting people like her is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So, sort of, like, in conclusion, as we wrap up, like... Would you encourage, you know, really hardcore Kenshin fans and, like, manga purists to still check out this movie no matter what? Um, If you've never seen, again, if you've never seen the manga before or the anime or anything, you should check it out. It's a really good action movie with a lot of good characters, and the story itself comes together pretty well if you don't know better. So Mm -hmm. it's it's still, it's, again, technically sound and still a really good movie. Um, If you've read the manga... I think you'll still enjoy it to some degree. You'll probably you're not going to enjoy the story elements and the creative liberties they took with it, especially if you're a manga purist. Mm-hmm. But um, the combat was so solid. I'm mm-hmm. I'm willing to forgive a lot. I'm just worried where it's going to go from here. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest gripe. Right. So, um, but no, I think mm-hmm. I think it's worth checking out. I don't know about the other two just yet, but the first one was really good. I have not seen swords fighting like that in any movie. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you're more of a, a cinephile than I am. <laughs> so have you seen any combat like that? Because I know John Wick had a lot of like really intensive and playful gunplay. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen swordplay done with such mm-hmm. um, grace and uh, intent mm-hmm. than this one. Because all the movements felt deliberate. They mm-hmm. felt solid. They felt like they were actually like in the heat of the moment in fighting. And it was mm-hmm. just really really solid and i don't see a whole lot of that it's usually like like big strokes like the big like clanging and whatnot it's like a lot of flamboyant sword play it's not so much for like uh efficiency as mm-hmm. opposed to like the spectacle of mm-hmm. it well you definitely really felt the you felt the hits oh, in this film man you yeah. really did and you felt the slices and i think that that is 
you know, another testament to the really great audio design and mm-hmm. the really great um, uh, choreography done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find it kind of interesting that this film was not shot in the way that you normally expect an Asian cinema piece with sword play to be shot oh please elaborate like, um, I, I don't see a whole lot of japanese films mm-hmm. so like what, what do they usually do well you traditionally as the way asian film is typically you know studied and understood like a lot of their sword fights and a lot of their fights in general like if you watch bruce lee or jackie chan films and things like that um they will be um like typically long shots mm-hmm. um both in distance and length Mm-hmm. Um, like they'll be somewhat further away from the actors and sort of just let the fight play out. But this was shot and edited more traditionally kind of like a Western action film. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very quick cuts, very tight shots. And uh, usually that's done for, for a few reasons. Um, I guess maybe mainly because that's the particular style that they wanted to go for in this mm-hmm. film. They didn't want to go classic. They wanted to do something a little bit more modern. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and it might also be due to the um the actor's actual fighting abilities right like if they are not like proficient swordsmen like watching them fight from a distance might not be quite as impressive mm-hmm. and doing those um those that those uh tighter shots sell the uh, action better if they're not like master swordsmen right which i mean i don't expect every actor to be able to be like a master swordsman there are a few actors that can actually do that right but i think you know in terms of the narrative it was never like oh that's a weird fight or something (laughs) like that so it always it always worked for me i thought it would there might have been some of the fight scenes were a little bit too choppy in -hmm. my personal opinion um but i mean it's not a huge deal it was Mm -hmm. fine it's still really enjoyable and really well made and i'm very excited for us to do our second part and third part of this uh trilogy review I'm not sure if I would use Excited, but I definitely am curious to see kind of what they do with the next two and if one of the villains comes back because that'd be a little weird. But if they make it work, okay, I will, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, um, no doubt they're going to take creative liberties. No doubt. I mean, they, and, uh, if, they, if they've done it this far and this much before, I have yeah. no doubt they'll do it again. I'm so sorry that they did not throw the child into the window. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just at the crowd of people. It's literally just like at, at, at people and just like knocking them out. This is my special technique, child throwing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, maybe they'll save that for later on. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I, that's, that's one other thing I'd like to see, like Yahiko having a bigger role because mm-hmm. he fights some like really impressive fighters mm-hmm. later on and wins. So it, it'll be, or at least holds him off until Kenshin can get there and, like, support him. So it, it'll be interesting to see if he takes a bigger role later on and if they kind of delve into their past. Mm-hmm. Because they don't really touch on Sano's past until, like, later on. Yeah. So I'm willing to give him that. But Yahiko's was established pretty early on. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they'll ever go back to that and be like, well, how, why is he here? How did he get to the dojo in the first place? And kind of... Uh, Get a little bit more context about him, because right now I think if you've never seen the movie before, or the mon- if you if you're new to the universe and you just see the movie, he's just like, oh, he's just kind of there at the dojo. He doesn't really have much importance. He's just kind of there, and I know he's got more. He's got it. He's just that. He's just too integral. He's too integral to Kenshin's story. I got and you. I I I can't say it without spoiling stuff. So, well, thank you for not because um, I'm sure. At least some of that will be explored in the next couple of films. Well, maybe. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And um, 
if you guys listening at home want to know where you can check this film out, um, it is available on Blu-ray and DVD from Funimation, and it is also available for streaming on Funimation now. Um, the original Roroni Kenshin, not the Trust and Betrayal OVA, and I don't think any of the movies, but the original series and with the English dub are available on, at least part of it is on Netflix, and I think some of it is on Crunchyroll, but I could be wrong. Um, but as far as the last time I checked, that is the case. Um, so anything else in closing thoughts, John? Um, just, it, it wasn't great by the manga standards, but it is a good movie. And like, it, and the fight scenes were fantastic. And, um, I would probably give it at least a solid seven out of 10. Yeah. So cool. And you know what, for, for, you know, anime, manga, live action adaptations, Hey, that's like, that's like getting a 12. (laughs) I mean, as you said, of all the ones you've seen, this is like one of the best. So uh, if that's what the case, then great. Right. I'm glad we picked a good one. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm a little worried at the creative liberties they've taken with the other stuff you've watched as well. Oh, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, we need to sit down and watch the Attack on Titan live action movies. Oh, no. Because if you want to talk about creative liberties, <laughs> there's, there's something. Um, I, full disclosure, I actually don't think those movies are terrible. I think that they have some good elements, mostly in the realm of special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of all of the live action, uh, anime or manga adaptations that I have seen, this film by far the most solid in pretty much every way from character to narrative, to pacing, to just overall enjoyment. Mm -hmm. Like this has the greatest synergy of those elements. Oh, I hope, I hope that synergy continues. We'll find out next time. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can find out more information about Borderline Podcasts and Borderline Panels on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash borderline panels. Also, feel free to follow us on Twitter where we post updates basically every day. We do try and do a little bit of outreach, a little bit of uh, news stuff every day. And um, actually, um, right after I finished, after we finished watching the movie, I checked uh, Facebook and... Um, Apparently, a lot of the employees of uh, Sentai Filmworks, uh, the anime studio that is either in Houston or very, very near to Houston, uh, a lot of their employees have had uh, some serious uh, problems related to Hurricane Harvey stuff. Uh, and I know um, before uh, before we watched the film, we talked about the Funimation um, um, charity mm-hmm. they're doing. And uh, Sentai is also doing one specifically okay. for some of their employees that have been uh, adversely affected. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you can find that out on their on their social media accounts at uh, Sentai Filmworks on Facebook and Twitter and all of the normal stuff. And uh, they're another uh, great company that has you know served the anime industry and and us for many years, whether it be way back in the ADV days or you know now continuing with Sentai and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their employees are in some trouble. So if you can afford to throw a couple bucks their way, I'm sure that they would be, you know, eternally grateful for that. Oh, yeah. And um, we're going to try and do the same for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, also keep in mind, our uh, our giveaway is still going on. We mentioned that at the beginning of the show. Uh, but make sure to go to our Facebook page and like our birthday giveaway uh, post mm-hmm. or share it uh, to get your name entered into our draw. We're giving away... We're going to pick two winners who can get to pick one volume of manga each out of the four that we have chosen, which you can find out on Facebook or listen to the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, Do we want to mention our next con appearance at all? 
We'll we'll wait. We'll wait on that. We'll wait. Yeah, we got a little bit of time. Okay. So okay. Well, we'll keep to, guessing. to be continued on that one. To be continued. But yeah, we do have some fall cons coming up, and uh, we're pretty excited for those. Um. So until next time, this has been Austin, and I'm John, and we'll see you next time. Later, guys. See ya.